What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Welcome to episode number 64 of the Marine Layer podcast. We have our season-long grades for the Mariners outfield in 2023, and we'll close out the show with Speak Your Mind. Your guys' reminder, before we start the show, if you're listening on our audio platforms, check us out on YouTube too, because we have a whole video side to this podcast on YouTube. If you head over there, make sure to like, comment, subscribe, and turn our notification bells on. If you're watching on YouTube, you've probably got some time to listen too. If you're going to the gym, if you're on a walk, if you're at work, wherever you might be in your car. So do that too. Check us on check us out on the audio side. We're on Apple, Spotify, Google, and Amazon. Follow the show, download our episodes, leave us the five-star review. The reviews and the downloads really do help us out a bunch. And then follow us on social media too. Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, YouTube Shorts, at Marine Layer Pod. Let's get it rolling. And we welcome you to this episode of the Marine Layer Podcast, part of the Just Baseball Podcast Network, recording here on Wednesday, October 11th. Before we get into our grades, if you've been paying attention to any of our social media channels, all I need to do is say the word Luis Robert. And Lyle, what what kind of response are you going to get? Well, the response will not be one of appreciation or... Uh, just appreciation from White Sox fans and certainly not happiness. I'll tell you that. Although TJ, I've got a response. Uh, That deal is now off the table. Why? As the great Kevin Costner said in draft day, maybe the greatest movie of all time. Not really. We live in a different world than we did just a few days ago. I I proposed a new trade package here. Let me, let me see what you think about it. The new trade is the Mariners receive Luis Robert. The Mariners Trade for Abe Toro and package him to the White Sox. Sign Hector Noesi out of free agency. He's been out of baseball for years. And trade him to the White Sox. We will give the White Sox a bucket of baseballs and agree to stock their vending machine for five years. And that's the new trade for Luis Robert. And let me tell you, lock it in. Talk about an upgrade over the one we proposed. Woo! I like that idea. That's a good, I, I, that's a good one. How long did, did it like- take you to think that one out? It was not on the spot. I'll say that. It was a little bit pre-planned before the show. Did you like my woo there at the end? That may or may not have also been planned. That was good. Are you going to get anything specifically for Jerry Reinsdorf to to sweeten the deal? Maybe, oh, I don't know, an extra pair of Michael Jordan signed shoes to remind Jerry Reinsdorf why he is where he is? Oh, that'd be great. Maybe we can get Jerry Reinsdorf to get us some custom marine layer pod Jordan shoes where we can wear them around now. Just some Ooh. teal and navy blue, have our logo on it. I like that idea. Man, uh, waking up this morning here on Wednesday morning to some of our mentions, I was flabbergasted. I didn't think what we offered was all that offensive, but man, <laughs> apparently it the, the trade package that we offered on last week's show on our, in our off-season wish list uh, our our a week ago show on our on our wish list off season wish list our early off season wish list. It's as if we offered Tommy Lastella, AJ Pollock, and 
Darren McCacken. Like that's that's what I think processed through the the brains of White Sox fans of, of what you proposed in a trade for Luis Robert. And man, they, they weren't happy. They were not happy. I'll tell you what though. Remember how I said we talked to a couple of our guys over at Just Baseball, both Jack and Elijah, about putting some thought into this trade? Believe me, guys, I I know I don't really have to tell our regular listeners this, but in case we have any new ones, we're not dumb. As as hard as it seems to believe, I know, looking at TJ and I here, we seem like a couple (laughs) of morons. We're really not that dumb. We did go to ASU, so you can can put that caveat in there. Okay, so maybe our credibility now gets knocked down a little bit because we did go to the Harvard of the Southwest, as they call it. Yeah. However. We tried to actually put some thought into this trade. Again, the reason we were talking to some people at Just Baseball about it, who are White Sox guys, is to try and avoid this exact thing of let's put a fair package out there. One is about as close to in the ballpark as we can get for one that would make sense for Luis Robert. And by the way, I'm going to put this out there too for people in all seriousness. I bet you there's a lot of people out there that would say, well, if Logan Gilbert was included in the trade, it would make, it would make more sense. They might actually think about it then. Why would a trade for Logan Gilbert make any sense if they're truly going to tear it down and rebuild? Logan Gilbert has four years of control. Luis Robert has four years of control. If they were going to trade Luis Robert, it's probably not going to be for Logan Gilbert. You'd probably want a guy that's going to be there longer than Robert's going to be there. Otherwise, they wouldn't trade him. So again, look, this trade's most likely not happening. It's a wish list for a reason. There's a reason we called it a wish list, and there's a reason we highlighted Robert in our wish list show. That being said, not only does Wu have way more club control, but Wu's stuff is so good. I was, sh- I mean, I, look, White Sox fans probably aren't paying that close. I was going to say, you, you don't need to convince me. I don't know if you need to convince many of our listeners either. Yeah. This, is, got- this, this would be more of what you did earlier, making an appearance on the Pinwheels and Ivy podcast to, to plead your case to some of White Sox Nation like, hey, you might have laughed, but maybe, maybe take a look. So that's so funny enough from all the responses we were getting on Twitter, we get this DM from a White Sox podcast called Pinwheels and Ivy. A couple of really great or a few really great guys that do it, by the way, Matt, Aldo, Kevin, all great guys. I did have a blast on there talking with them. They said, hey, do you want to come on and talk about it? I said, sure, why not? I'm, I'm happy to go on another podcast and talk baseball with another podcast. And we had some fun doing it. And I think I actually made White Sox fans, at least that were listening to that podcast, realize all right, maybe Brian Wu's a little better than we gave him credit for. They may not want to trade Luis Robert, and I understand that. That's a fan base that has a star player and doesn't want to trade him. I get it. He's got a ton of club control on a friendly contract. But I think they also realize, all right, I think Brian Wu might actually be pretty good. And you guys know as Mariner fans, his stuff is through the roof. We're talking about a potential frontline starter. Seriously, in a couple of years. Brian Wu may be in all-star games in a couple of years the way he's trending. So I, I don't think it was that crazy a package. What was the terminology they used for White Sox Twitter? It was I thought it was hilarious when I when I was tuning in and listening to you on there, but I don't remember what they said. Yeah, I'm, I'll have to go back and listen to what the terminology to be exact was. If if that's any plug for people and you want to go listen to these guys and listen to me on this podcast, Pinwheels and Ivy, it's on their YouTube. They they live stream on YouTube every Wednesday and and keep their shows up, so you can go back and listen to it. But yeah, they were saying White Sox fans will cling to anything, and it just turns into an absolute buyer at like just to, to anything they can latch onto. So they said, listen, we weren't surprised to see how White Sox fans were reacting to this. This yeah. is kind of what they do, which probably isn't all that 
different from Mariners fans will they'll where they'll latch on to literally anything and react the way they did. I will say since this back not backlash but just response to the to the tweet happened Jack and Elijah were messaging me about it so I was talking back and forth with them about man when this thing really started a war didn't it and I'll put the words of Jack McMullen here on this show he said look you've got White Sox fans bashing it you've got Mariners fans saying that they don't want to give up the package for Robert that means you did something right with the trade. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I think with the, uh, where the White Sox fans cross the line where they're like, okay, for Luis Robert, it starts with George Kirby. And then it's like, oh, okay, good talk. <laughs> good <Yeah>. conversation, guys. <laughs> I saw one that said, not the package is Kirby and Cal Raleigh. Somebody said, it starts with Kirby <laughs> and Cal Raleigh. And then there needs to be more added. It's like, well, I don't think we're responding to these people. Nice doing business with you. Yeah. Man, who else? Who can we stir up next? I mean, it's not our intention this offseason to piss off all the fan bases we can, but I'm thinking over the course of the season, we have uh, we have successfully pissed off Astros fans twice. Uh, Blue Jays once. Although that was kind of a mix. I'll, I'll give a shout out to Troy, who I didn't get to meet. You got to meet in the pen. He did a masterful job on our social channels trolling people in our comment section. So it was like, it was a mixed response from Blue Jays fans and Mariners fans going at it in our mentions. And now we've gotten to the White Sox. So I wonder who's next. I, I really do wonder maybe angels after Shohei Otani signed somewhere else and we make more Shohei videos. Yeah, that'd be great. Who else has a young controllable star player out there? That's why we threw this trade out because not only are there not a lot of free agent bats, but we were thinking, how many bats are out on the potential trade market that would really be of significant value? I mean, Robert is one because he's been thrown out there a little bit. I don't think there's that many others, but if there was, yeah, who else could we rile up? Should we, should we uh, cut the clip of Jordan Walker? See, see what the Cardinals fan base is thinking? Yeah, that could be one, the Jordan Walker clip. Maybe next we should offer Abe Toro and Tommy LaStella for Bobby Wood Jr. That could be another one. Mm, wow, I like where you're thinking. <laughs> that fills needs on both sides. I mean, the Royals need a versatile veteran, now veteran somehow, bat like Abe Toro. I, they do. I, I promise, he's great. I think if the Mariners traded Abe Toro and Tommy LaStella for Bobby Witt Jr., TJ might actually buy an Abe Toro Royals jersey. I would buy an Abe Toro. I would buy all three of his jerseys. I'd buy a Mariners, Brewers. Actually, sorry, all four. Mariners, Brewers, Royals, uh, and Astros. I'd, I'd buy all four. I'd hang them up on my wall because I realized this man has contributed more to my franchise than a lot of players who have played for the Mariners over the course of their history. If you listen to this podcast, you know TJ loves Abe Toro. Look, you just never know what's going to blow up. You could think something's a really good content and, oh, maybe a lot of people will like this. And then it just kind of falls flat. And then there's something that you think, oh, maybe a few people see this. And then it turns into just a wildfire that spreads. So you, you just never know, do you? You do never know. And I know we have gotten some response on our midseason player grades. Of course, today we have our outfield grades. So let's see if we can piss anyone off with our 2023 Mariners outfield grades. Okay, up first, what is your grade for Julio Rodriguez? He gets an A. You could have gone back and forth on this a little bit just because his season was a little topsy-turvy in spite of still finishing top 10 in the league in F4 in spite of still having a 126 WRC plus. 
it wasn't a linear line of just production out of Julio this year. We know he struggled early. He struggled down the stretch for sure. That was a big storyline. And a lot of that month of August carried his year. When it's all said and done, he was by war one of the 10 best players in baseball. He's going to finish top five in AL MVP voting. That's an A-level season. The results are are, are, are A-level. I, I agree with that. Julio did a lot of things well that he normally does well. He's fast. He's aggressive on the base paths. He hits the ball extremely hard. He has a high quality of contact. Overall, in terms of run value on baseball savant, he was in the 90th percentile or higher in batting, base running, and fielding. That's an A-level player. Okay, now the caveat of this season. I don't think he got better in this 2023 season. Looking back at his 2022 season to his 2023 season, one argument that someone could make on Julio Rodriguez's season is that he didn't get better. And for a superstar caliber player to earn an A or an A-plus grade, you need to see something that just wows you and sets the bar so high. But you look at the numbers for Julio Rodriguez's 2023 season, I mean, you're looking at a month-by-month breakdown. Three months where he was fine, one month where he was bad, one month where he was good, and one month where he was an MVP. That's not, like, when you look at what you want with consistency, that doesn't quite break it. And that's just one of the things that Julio Rodriguez I would say didn't didn't quite meet the bar at at some point in this season. He really was on both ends of the spectrum over the course of the summer, wasn't he? In June, he had a 75 WRC plus, and then in August it was 232. You want to talk about two polar opposite ends of production. That's about as drastic as it gets. And it was balanced out because his year numbers as a whole were still good and they're still star level. But yeah, it, it just wasn't linear. It was not consistency that we've gotten to kind of expect out of Julio just from watching him last year. He had a bad April in 2022, and then from May and on, he took off. It, it wasn't really like that this year. And look, I think we have to still put this out there. He is still only 22 years old, and might we add, he is still, again, going to finish top five in MVP voting. But when he's the star of the team and makes money like the star of the team, he is held to a little bit of a higher standard and to the higher of a standard where we say, look, he still gets an A, it just wasn't quite an A+. plus. What stinks, too, is it, it, it just correlates too much with the success of the Mariners team itself and his up and down season. The months that the Mariners were the best net this season, he was his best. The months the Mariners were the worst in, he was also his worst. So when they rely on him this much, as much as you want to argue about the roster, you know, they did need him at points this season, and at some points, he just wasn't there. And yet, we talk about all of this, and this man this season set a major league record with 17 hits in four games. I mean, <laughs> look at us. Look at us nitpicking, and then all of a sudden, oh yeah, he's still breaking batting records in his age 22 season. And he's also the 44th member of the 30-30 home run club, or the 30-homer, 30 30-steal 30 club. And he's the top center fielder in baseball in F4, fourth best hitting center fielder, third in slugging percentage, second best base runner among all center fielders. The complete package, and yet we just expect so much more from him because that's the talent level he executes. 
you could honestly argue his defense got better than last year. He had 12 outs above average this year. That ranked fourth among outfielders. It was in the 97th percentile of baseball. You could argue that defense got better. Maybe as a whole, he didn't get a step above what he was in 2022. But there there are parts of his game that improved. And we know that he still has to cut down on strikeouts and walk a little bit more. Again, he's 22 years old. But if this is what he's doing at 22 and he's still getting A grades and finishing in the MVP race, who knows what he'll be doing at 25, 26. It's hard to not give him an A. But I will say, you know, I guess you and I have high expectations of him. And again, when the team needs him in the month of June and he rolls out a 75 WRC plus, sometimes that is what it is, regardless of how much better his defense is. By the way, his defense was just spectacular this season. So if you're looking at a plus offensive player, 26% above league average by WRC plus, a fast guy, good on the base paths, strong arm, hits the ball extremely hard, you're usually going to be a pretty valuable player and you're usually going to grade out pretty well. And I think that reflects what we think of Julio's season. An A grade and really good across the board. Excited to see what he's going to do next season. Before we get to our second guy, quick word here from our friends over at Pagotcha's Pub 85. That's Pagotcha's Pub 85 in Kirkland. You've heard us talk about them. Why? Because it's an awesome place to hang out. They've got some great pizza. They've got some great drinks. They have 22 TVs inside the bar. There's still playoff baseball going on college football, NFL in the full swing of things. So if you want a place to go watch a game, hang out with your friends and eat some good food and have some good drinks, head over there. Pagotcha's Pub 85 in Kirkland, just east of 405. And if you head over early, they have some really good happy hour specials too. Those happy hours are Monday through Friday, 2 to 6 p.m. They have $3 domestic beers, $4 Manny's Blue Moons, $4 Mac and Jacks, $4 Wells, and $4 house wine. Take your friends, take your family, head over to Pagotcha's Pub 85. That's Pagotcha's Pub 85 in Kirkland. We cannot recommend it enough. This fall, stream your favorites and discover more with Disney Plus, Hulu, and ESPN Plus together. Watch the highly anticipated new season of Loki and see the ghosts materialize in Haunted Mansion on Disney Plus. Catch more frights with The Boogeyman and American Horror Story Delicate on Hulu. And on ESPN Plus, get into the action with college football and NFL. All of these and more streaming now. Get the Disney Bundle with plans starting at $9.99 a month. Plans with ESPN Plus starting at $14.99 a month. Terms apply. See DisneyBundle.com for details. Second outfielder here, TJ. Teoscar Hernandez. What's your grade for him? He gets a C-. I thought I was going to give Teoscar a higher grade, but I'm digging through his season, and I can't do it. Teoscar Hernandez, if you told us before the season, this man is going to suck. And I mean suck for four months out of the year, an 84 WRC plus in April, 82 in May, 46 in July. And then in September, the month the Mariners needed desperately the most at the plate, Teoscar rolls out a 76 WRC plus. There's just not enough, I think, from Teoscar Hernandez to give warrant him a grade any higher. His defense was... Fine. His defense was 68th percentile rated on 
fan graphs, outs above average had him at right at zero. So the the defensive value again is just like kind of kind of hard to judge there. And his offensive profile took a step back in nearly every category that that made him valuable. Expected batting average down, slugging down, weighted on base average, expected weighted on base average down, barrel rates down, average exit velocity all down across the board. And in, in terms of I mean, just pure raw numbers is like his overall slugging percent is the lowest it's been since I think it was 2018 getting on base, just thir- barely not even 31% of the time while striking out 31% of the time as well was just not what you could have from Teoscar Hernandez, who among 16 right fielders this season was among the bottom three in once the season shook out and you look at F war strikeouts, WRC plus not what you want. I gave Teo a C not a C minus. And this was the worst offensive season he's had since 2019 in 20 in 21 in 22. He was awesome. In fact, he was crushing left-handed pitching, but what did he do in 2023? At least against lefties. He was still good. He wasn't top three in baseball. Good. He had a 120 WRC plus against Southpaws this year. Again, just against lefties. Again, that's, that's fine. It's not anything special. When they traded for him, he was legitimately a top three bat against lefties over an elongated period of time. He didn't do that this year. He also had some real problems hitting at home in T-Mobile Park, despite an offensive profile that is revolved around hitting the ball hard. He did not hit well inside of Seattle's ballpark. And he just struck out way too much, and he walked too much. I, this is not the Teoscar Hernandez they traded for. When they traded for Teo, they thought this had a this guy had a chance to be the second best bat behind Julio. That wasn't the case, and it was a pretty disappointing season at the plate for him. You go from second best bat behind Julio to essentially a league average hitter. Oh, and by the way, Teo, whether intentionally or not, made his. What was it? His his home numbers more visible to a lot of a lot of Mariners Twitter. So he in case you missed it, somebody tweeted out his home stats, then his away stats. His away stats, I think he had like a 126 WRC plus in the season. Home stats, he was just terrible. And then someone in Spanish commented underneath something along the lines of time to buy new properties. I said buy new properties somewhere else. And Teo liked it. And of course, people who have way too much time look at Teoscar Hernandez's likes and see see what he liked and he ended up liking that tweet and people were coming to the conclusion pretty fast oh well looks like Teo's not coming back so he was highlighting the fact he did not hit hit well at T-Mobile Park however there's a problem uh, something that just kind of kind of sticks with me here (laughs) when 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 Teoscar uh, does that like T-Mobile Park doesn't prevent Teoscar Hernandez from striking out over 30% of the time. Like that that's my big issue where we saw his strikeout rate get exponentially worse. He chased more this season than he ever has in his career. That's something he controls. And yet he chased out of the strike zone more than he has in the past few seasons with the Toronto Blue Jays and it hurt his offensive numbers. So it can't only be the ballpark. Other guys hit well at T-Mobile Park. It just seems to be like it just seems to be a problem for people who want to make it a problem, if that makes sense. 
So it wasn't just any random person that tweeted those numbers out. That was Tay Oscar's agent that tweeted those numbers oh. out. It, <laughs> well, that's more important. It was Rafa Nieves, his agent, who may or may not also be Luis's agent. I think they might have the same agent. Don't quote me on that, but I, I believe so. So he tweeted those numbers out, and then he got some reply that said, in Spanish, go buy a new property. And Teo liked that reply tweet, which, by the way, Teo gets a C in my book on the field. He gets a C minus in your book on the field. His Twitter awareness gets an F because this is not the first time this year that I have seen people on Twitter highlighting that Teoscar Hernandez seems to have no idea that his likes are public because he's liked some kind of wild stuff on Twitter this year. And people find it because, like you said, some of these Mariner fans have too much time on their hands and they see it. Like there was there was points of this year where remember that walk off double off the wall that Teo hit against the Blue Jays? Yeah. And and after that game, somebody tweeted out, Teoscar wants to be here, like in all caps with him walking it off in the video and he's all fired up. And he liked that tweet. And then he likes a tweet a couple months later that says, go buy a new house. He likes that. So first he gives everybody an impression of, oh yeah, this is great. I like, like I'm trying to give people like fake signs that I want to stay. And now he's trying to give people signs. Oh, I actually want out. And that is not the only thing that people have dug up in Teo's likes this year. He just likes some wild stuff that people are like, dude, do you know your likes are public? Like, like people can see it. It's not like Instagram where it takes way more time to scroll through and see what you're liking it. It's right out in public, buddy. So your Twitter awareness gets an F. So in summary for Teoscar Hernandez, struck out his strikeouts regressed, chased more than he ever had. His Twitter awareness is as bad as ever. His, uh, what else? Oh, and then there's this, this alarming stat I dug up while. So he raids out sprint speed-wise in the 82nd percentile, yet on the base paths, second percentile in base running run value for a guy who's supposed to be pretty fast that 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 counter app that counterbalances your strength it's like having all this power in your bat <clears throat> and swinging and missing a ton so you don't get to unlock it often enough yeah so i just confirmed this by the way nieves is luis castillo's agent too so him hmm. and tay oscar do have the same agent i just hmm. wanted to confirm that to be sure but yeah, this this is not the guy they signed up to get. You knew you were going to deal with strikeouts. You knew he wasn't going to walk a ton, but he was supposed to provide way more pop and way more impact in the middle of the lineup than he did. And it didn't happen. I'm not saying I wouldn't do the trade over again, him for Eric Swanson. Now that is with hindsight being 2020 in the in the sense of we don't know what Teo's going to do at the time that the Mariners trade for him. So the trade still made sense. You said it way back when we started this podcast, and that was one of our first few episodes. You have a chance to trade a reliever for proven offensive talent 100 out of 100 times. You do it. And I agree with that. That also does not excuse the fact that Teoscar Hernandez, much like the Mariners, underperformed expectations this year and just wasn't good enough for what the team needed. Let's get to our next guy. I'm fascinated to hear your answer with this and see how different ours are. Lyle, what is your grade for Jared Kelnick? I gave him a B minus. What'd you? I, I'm curious to hear yours. What did you give him? I gave him a C. C. Okay, so my reasoning here is: Did he put together some over the top season over the course of 162 games? No. But I am looking at where he was in his first couple of seasons versus where he is now. His WRC plus in his first two seasons in the big leagues, it did not get above 80. 
Like he really struggled. So not only did he not get demoted at all this year, he played a full season in the big leagues sans the injury, but his WRC plus for the year was 108. His OPS was 746, which is not otherworldly, but it's about league average. 750 is around the league average. Actually, it might be even a little lower now. It's around 740 to 750. By B-War, I know a lot of the time we use F-War. By B-War, he put up a two-war season and was a lot of that anchored by his first six weeks, of course. But two wins is two wins. So can Jared do more next year to build on this? Absolutely. Can he still be a star player? Absolutely. He is 24. Adley Rushman wasn't even this old when he debuted. Maybe he was just this old. There's plenty of time. And he was not perfect. But I do think for where he was compared to the steps he made this year, he took some major strides forward. I'm not giving him a C because I guess I'm a slight bit more pessimistic on Jared as you do. I actually thought he was turning a season around. I think you and I both agree in July. He was starting to have some better at-bats. He His process looked a little bit better in July before he got hurt. Him getting hurt's a big reason for this grade. His grade could be totally different if he didn't put himself out for two months, plain and simple, that that affects his grade here. He was a semi-valuable part of this Mariners team. We were bummed when he was out of the lineup and they missed him when he was out of the lineup. They had to go trade for Dom Canzone, who we'll talk about in a little bit. Overall, as you mentioned, the season was fine. If you gave these numbers at the beginning of the season, given the context of Jared's career, you'd probably take it. A couple things, though, if, if we'll, we'll nitpick about his offensive season. So Jared, in his current offensive profile, is a power hitter. We talked preseason that maybe he goes back to a little bit more of a contact-oriented approach, what he did in the minors, spray the ball around the yard, hit 20 to 25 home runs, and do what made him great as a prospect. Well, that wasn't really the case this season. He was spraying the ball around, but the problem is Jared was striking out overall this season 31% of the time. Now, it is carried by May and June that he struck out quite a lot, 34, <laughs> nearly 35% in May and 38, 38% in June. However, those numbers were coming down a little bit in July. I think he was under, I think it was like 25% in July before he got hurt. Smaller sample, but still uh, still checks out. But he didn't hit a home run since June 9th. He went from June 9th through the final 47 games of the season without hitting a home run for his profile, for what he is as a hitter and what the amount of times he strikes out at the plate. And the fact he's he's like a slightly above average base on ball guy, 9.9%. I think that's slightly above average. But the power profile sort of disappeared. And when you strike out that much, you can't just not do damage. And that was an issue for me because that's that was totally against the other results he produces at the plate. So uh, that's why I'm very conflicted on on what kind of grade I gave him. So I just went right smack in the middle with a C. And oh, by the way, his defense actually graded out exactly average, zero outs above average this season, which you'd think would probably be a little bit better because we generally think his speed leads to better defense. But I guess baseball savant didn't think so. 
He had three defensive runs saved. So DRS likes him more than OAA, to be fair. So it's like slightly above average. Three defensive runs saved is a perfectly fine year. It's not a gold glover, but it's a good year. It's slightly above average. All right. I think it's I think it's good enough. I did not grade him. It, it is good enough. You're right. It is that like that is good enough. I'm just not saying like his defense wasn't like a a like shining star on his season. I'll say that. All right. And, and, and that's fair. I did not take the injury into account. I graded him just on the games he was on the field. Now, if I had his grade would be knocked down. So you graded him so with the injury. Can I get some some reasoning on why I did that? Normally, injuries are something you can't control. If you pull a hamstring running down first base, you're, there's nothing you can do with that. Yeah. But this injury was 1,000% Jared's fault. Yeah. And they missed him. Yeah. So that's on him. It was 100% in his control. That is 100% correct. And again, if I had judged his season with the injury factor taken into account, it'd be lower. I just didn't do that. And for some of the reasons you outlined, the fact he stopped hitting homers the second half of the year, the fact his season was very, very dependent on his first six weeks, that's why he's at a B minus. He's not getting a higher grade despite taking a lot of big steps forward this year. But I do think it should not be lost on people that in year three, in his age 23 season, which again, is still not old for all you people out there, in case you're forgetting, there are most college guys that are first rounders don't get up till they're about 24. He was a slightly above league average hitter. He played above league average defense. He could run, put up a two B war season. Again, two wins is not nothing. And he has room to improve. So again, he's not getting an A, but he is getting a grade that says, yeah, I, I believe in where he's going. The, the point of the matter is we do not know again after year three, whether he is truly good or not. We're going to have yeah, to see again correct. in 2024. That we agree we, on. Yes, we, we still don't know. I think he is showing potential. There's no doubt he showed potential in April. He lit the world on fire. I think he's showing the tools to be a very impactful player on the team. I still think in his, in his age 24 season, he could do that. But in 2023, it was just a little up and down. I, I came out of this analysis on his season, like wondering, is he, like, is he getting a starting role next year? Depends what they do this winter. I know. Right, right like, now. I, I, I think, yeah, it just... It, it it like makes my stomach a little uneasy that again three seasons in still don't know if we'd be confident enough to put him as a starter. I would say n- not entirely, especially how they used him down the stretch. Even though, by the way, one plus of his season hit lefties pretty well. One fifteen WRC plus against lefties this season as a lefty hitter. Also struck out less against lefties, by the way. And yet down the stretch, they still used him as a platoon bat. It would only put him in against righties. Go figure that. That doesn't make much sense. Again, he should have been playing every day down the stretch. I will yes, not he understand. Did not understand that. So the Mariners, as we said, don't have Teoscar Hernandez. We'll see if he comes back. It's seeming like he's not based on his very public Twitter likes. So as of right now, it'd be Julio in center and it'd be Jared Kelnick in left field. Right now, Kelnick would be a starter. In a perfect world, you're right. If you could go get two much more proven bats and he could be a fourth outfielder to start where you do not have to rely on him to have a good season. 
But if he takes the opportunity where he's on the roster, the days he plays, he's playing well, which leads to a little bit more playing time and a little more playing time and a little more playing time. And if he ends up hitting his potential, which let me be very clear, as everybody who knows that listens to this podcast understands, I'm a big Kelnick believer. I still think he can get there. So if they start him in a lesser role and he proves it, which again, I think he has a chance to, then he'd start playing more next year. But I think it's also safe to say that they would be in a better spot if they could get two proven bats to play the outfield spots in the corners and set it up like that. Because again, if they're serious about trying to win the World Series or contend for it, you're going to want some proven outfield bats. Hey, they, they, they should try Luis Robert. Yeah, I like that idea. You could, <laughs> what, what if they platoon the two? Hmm? Well, then it would only cost Abe Toro. They, they don't get Tom yeah, Costello. But- Abe Toro yeah. only for Luis Roberts straight up. <laughs> yep, yep. Oh, wouldn't that be an interesting conundrum? Hmm. Oh, what if we get? What if we do give Jared Kelnick back to the White Sox fans? Do you think they'd like that? I know you wouldn't. Would they? I don't know. He has a lot of club control. If he was in a, if he was in a package with all the other guys, we actually dealt in there between Wu Young. Uh, Jonathan Classe, maybe uh, that might that might intrigue him a little bit more. Obviously, yeah, that would be a shot to the heart personally for me. That being said, as we've talked about with potential trades that he's been in before, rumored to be in before from people out there, if it was for a proven talent, of course you have to do it. I'm not going to say you have to hold on to him if it means not getting Luis Robert, of course. But yeah, th- th- it might be intriguing to him. I, I guess I guess they could use any big league talent they can get at this point. Amen to that. But I think, but to be clear, I think Kelnick will be on the roster next year. I absolutely still think he can live up to his potential. And I do think he took some nice strides this year. It wasn't perfect, but he took some nice strides. So with that, Dom Canzone, late addition to the roster, acquired at the deadline. He was in the Paul Seawald trade. What grade did you give him? I gave him a C, but in parentheses, incomplete. Because, A, we don't have much of a sample with the Mariners, 141 plate appearances, just a 79 WRC+. And he showed some things that you could like. Again, his expected numbers were good. Barrel rate was up. Expected slugging was up. Didn't strike out a lot. But there are some other things that, you know... Overall, like he was not qualified for any of the run value stats, but if he was, he'd be significantly below average in all three. We've seen that Dom isn't a spectacular athlete either. His defense grades out below average and outs above average. Arm strength is good, uh, but the the value of it not great. His sprint speed is is below average, so I just find it kind of hard to grade this version of Dominic Canzone because this is his first taste of the big leagues and he looked like a rookie and I think (laughs) some people might have expected more out of him so even despite some of these things that kind of make me wince a little bit I'm just gonna I'm gonna settle on a C and also a see you next year to see if this actually works out I gave him the same grade I said C but also incomplete because we don't know he has not played enough big league games to fairly judge him Yeah, he looked like a rookie. Of course he did. But when he got over to Seattle, he barely had a cup of coffee in the big leagues with the Diamondbacks. 79 WRC plus is not great by any stretch. 
I think when you also see that his expected slug was 475, that should tell people long-term he should really hit for some pop. And his numbers in the minors would back that up. He was arguably the best hitter in the entire Pacific Coast League this past year when he was down there. He was awesome. He tore it up in AAA. But he just needs a little more time in the big leagues. So we'll see what he does next year. I'm sure he's going to make some adjustments this winter. I'm sure the big league time he got this year will help him for season two, or I guess his first full season in the show. But we just don't really know. So I think a C and incomplete is the only fair grade to give him. One note that I thought actually stood out to me, because we do talk about some of his, of his expected numbers, but something that I guess that's not expected. So we chased a lot this year. Like the bottom 5%, it looks like 41, 42% of the time he was chasing a pitch out of the strike zone. And yet his strikeout rate was so low, which means A, he's swinging at stuff outside the strike zone, but he's making contact. And I assume it's not good contact based by some of the results we had. And well, if you're going to mash pitches in the strike zone and hit for a ton of power, sticking your bat out at a pitch outside the strike zone is not a good success and not a successful strategy unless your name is Vladimir, Vladimir Guerrero Sr. So, uh, Dom, cut that out. Thank you. Okay, that's my bit. He could walk more. He is yes, walking that too. only about 4.5% of the time. So that needs an uptick as he progresses here. But... I think you can see that the power is there. I think you can see that there is potential there. Even if he's not going to be a gold glove defender, I think the bat could carry him moving forward. But again, we just don't know. It was interesting, by the way, that his final 10 games, like the final 10 games of the season, he was put in the doghouse. Like he wasn't playing at all over that final stretch, which speaks to the Mariners' confidence level that they had in him, at least for the remainder of 2023. It could certainly change next year. But by the end of the year, it seemed like he had just turned into a bench player. Which is interesting, because I was sat here last night thinking about this, and I asked you this question here I'm going to ask you on the podcast. So they treated him essentially as a platoon bat, another platoon bat, another lefty outfield young prospect outfield platoon bat. I think he had 27 plate appearances versus righties all season long. And I'm thinking, how do him and Jared coexist? He and Jared coexist on a roster. If they, if the Mariners both see them as future contributors in their lineup in the outfield, yet not confident enough in the two of them to bat them against both lefties and righties, and also recognizing you need a significant upgrade in your lineup, multiple significant upgrades in your lineup if you're going to appease your fan base next season. And I don't know rolling out Jared Kelnick and Dominic Canzona starting outfielders in 2024 appeases the fan base. As we sit right now, it's going to be Jared Kelnick and Dom Canzone against righties, and it's going to be Dylan Moore and Sam Haggerty in the corners versus lefties. We've got a long way to go in this offseason, but I think as we currently sit, it is probably fair to say we will probably see some new outfield bats on this team. Whether that is from trade or free agency, I think there's some work to be done there. There is. I, it, just, just something to think about because they're, they're similar, but they're not. Like I've used this word a ton this week. I'm just going to keep doing it stylistically. Because one's a really good, uh, a, a good athlete, you know, sprint speed wise, and but one strikes out a bunch, one doesn't strike out a bunch, one walks more, one doesn't walk at all. It's a very interesting argument to think about with Dom. I'm, 
you know, if Dom's upside in his back continues next season, I'd really just be happy to see him be in this lineup and rake like we saw him in AAA and what all of the all the Mariners people believe in him to do. But I wonder how much patience they will have. I wonder how much patience people on the outside have in Dom Canzone to succeed because he was traded. The, the Mariners traded a very popular clubhouse figure who, by the way, is one win away from a National League Championship Series appearance and Paul Sewald with the Arizona Diamondbacks. And the Mariners are going to be sitting here relying on Dom Canzone. So something to think about. Oh, no, the, the Diamondbacks are in. As of like 10 minutes ago, as we're recording oh, this, oops. they're they're in. So it's okay. Let's go, Paul. Paulie's going to the NLCS. I think it's pretty easy to say who we're rooting for going forward. And, and most Mariner fans, it's it's the Diamondbacks. The entire mostly just the National League, though. Oh, I'm boycotting the ALCS now. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Ooh, yeah. I don't want to hear one word saying the Mariners are right there. I don't want to hear it. I don't. I don't nope. want to hear it. I don't care. <laughs> this could have been avoided. It wasn't. Yep. Oh, sad. That's all I have to say. Sad. So how are we feeling on? Actually, I did have a question for you. But yeah. Before I ask you about how we're feeling about our final outfielder here, let's get a quick word from our friends over at the Columbia Athletic Club. So the Columbia Athletic Club, Juanita Bay in Kirkland, is a full-service, family-owned athletic club that's been inspiring healthier lives since 1981. Amenities include all-new strength and cardio equipment, free weights, basketball and squash courts, saltwater pools, and hot tubs, along with so much more. Included with your membership are group exercise classes with the likes of yoga, Zumba, bar, group power, and cycling. The best promotions of the year start now through the fall season. Get started with a free five-day trial at ColumbiaAthletic.com. That's ColumbiaAthletic.com. Now I got the question for you. What is your grade on Dylan Moore for the 2023 season? Another tough grade. Almost incomplete, but not. I give him a C plus. So Demo... The, a big factor of this grade was his health and he diminished a little bit at, at the plate. The 2022 version of Dylan Moore, we had over a, one, a 126 WRC plus and playing all the positions he played and walking a, a good amount despite not hitting for a high average and not needing to slug a whole bunch, but slugging just enough. Well, I think that was the best version of what we saw of Dylan Moore this season we saw more of a free-swinging, power-oriented Dylan Moore, whose WRC Plus dro- dropped by 21 points. His wins above replacement dropped by a win and a half. His walk rate plummeted, and his strikeout rate just spiked. 34% K rate this season for Demo. Still ended up playing all seven positions on the field that weren't catcher or pitcher, but it's hard to be as effective in those positions if your bat at the plate is just slightly above league average with a K rate that high. So along with his health, I I find it really hard to give Demo anything more. We were close on this. I gave him a B minus where you gave him a C plus. And it's basically for the same reason. He was not the same player he was in 2022. And a lot of that was due to the fact that he didn't really play much in spring training. In fact, he didn't play at all. Then he missed more time when the season started, and they might have rushed his rehab a little bit. Look, we're not in the front office. We don't know what the medical reports are. It just seemed like he didn't get a ton of at-bats in the minors to get his timing back, and it seemed evident when he first got up to the big leagues this year that his timing was not there. 
So it took him a while to get his timing back. And you're right that down the stretch, he was not great. Strikeout rate was way, strikeout rate was way too high, by the way. That's that's definitive. 34%. That has to come down next year. You, you can't punch out 34% of the time. Still hit for a little bit of power. Still played some decent defense. Runs the bases. He is a pretty ideal utility player when he's at his best. And he wasn't. He didn't have a bad year. Just wasn't your ideal Dylan Moore year. He was still somewhat valuable. So I said B minus. We know Demo like does strike out, but I think the biggest thing was that his just walk rate went down. He just you go from last year having an on base percentage of nearly three seventy to down just above thirty percent this year. That's a huge, huge gap. And that's if that's one of your biggest offensive strengths, then. Well, if that goes away, that's that's kind of an issue. And and it was felt at times when the Mariners relied upon him in the lineup, sometimes playing him a bit too often. As we said, a great utility player, but utility players usually come off the bench. And Demo, once he got healthy, was forced into the starting lineup quite a bit. And he did struggle and they needed him down the stretch and didn't get quite everything they could have from him we'll we'll see what happens next year i would imagine demo's right back on the bench next year i'd imagine he's 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 staying with this team but it was not definitely not the season we wanted from uh, dylan moore and he's 30 now he's getting a little bit up there in age it's not it's not crazy but remember he also signed that three-year, $9 million arbitration arbitration extension. There we go. That's a little bit of a tongue twister. Yeah. Before last, before 2023 started. So I don't think he's going anywhere. If you're going to sign a utility player to a deal like that, it's not like you're getting some haul back for him if you were going to try to trade for him. And again, I'll stress it again. I think Dylan Moore is a very, very ideal utility player. I've said that for years because when he is at his best, he hits for some power. He walks a lot. He steals bases and he plays seven positions. How much more could you ask for out of the guy? Oh, and he hits lefties really well when he's at his best. So yeah, he'll be around next year. He'll be right back on the bench and we just hope he plays a little bit better. A little bit more like 2022 and a little bit less like 2023. Before we close out the show, a word from Simply Seattle. If you want all the best gear in the Pacific Northwest, Go check it out at Simply Seattle. You can find them online at simplyseattle.com or you can go to their flagship stores in the Seattle area. They have all your best Husky, Mariner, Seahawks, and Pacific Northwest themed gear in shirts, hoodies, and all sorts of other things. They're great for gifts. It's great for personal wear. It's great for really everything. If you want a discount on your trip to Simply Seattle, use our code MARINE15 for 15% off your order at simplyseattle.com. Again, that is MARINE15 for 15% off your order at simplyseattle.com. I do have one grade to throw out quickly before we get to speak your mind. AJ Pollock, F. What? You didn't get an A? (laughs) No. I was trying. I didn't want to make another science joke for you, so I just left it at just an F. Unless you want another science joke, this is like this? AJ. Eight, eight. This is like AJ Pollock deciding that, or a, this is like Lyle Goldstein deciding after hating Bio one hundred two, uh, one hundred one. He went right back to it and said, "Okay, this time I'm going to do Bio one hundred two instead." Well, you used a reference to me last time. I was going to turn it right back around on Uh, you. I was going to say AJ Pollock 
AJ Pollock attempting to play baseball with the Mariners this year was like TJ attempting to send competent texts that are properly Oops. spelled. Yeah, I did that again today. And it took me, I sent a text message and didn't realize there was a typo in it for 30 minutes. <laughs> a little awkward. Thank goodness for the iOS software letting you edit it significantly later. What a great feature. I think that feature was built just for me. It really was. And someone needs to help guys like myself out. And it makes us look a lot smarter than we actually are. Maybe somebody in your family is secretly working for Apple and they knew you needed the little assistance. So we're like, hey, how about edited text messages? Hmm. I like that idea. Speaking of, well, things we want to speak about, let's get to Speak Your Mind. Speak your mind, Spock. That would be unwise. What is necessary is never unwise. Okay, Lyle, we've been wanting to do this for, for a couple weeks now. The show has finally concluded, uh, concluded, what, last week, I think? Let's do our Ahsoka season review. And Oh, by the way, you want to hear more Star Wars talk? We're going to have Dave Softy Mahler on next Wednesday. So you'll want to tune in for that. We do talk a little bit of Star Wars at the end of that interview because Softy is also a massive Star Wars fan, and we're able to tap into that a little bit, which was really fun. But back to this current conversation. I'm going to put a spoiler warning here if you don't want it ruined. Three, two, one. Okay. Well, sorry, don't blame us if we spoil it for you. What did you think of the show in totality and the, the finale? So just to clarify, when we have Softy on, it'll be five days from when you're listening to this, Friday. Correct. So when TJ says next Wednesday, it'll be five days from then. So yeah, right. we're, it was, we love talking to Softy. As you know, he's a personality and he's a bunch of fun. We talk Star Wars. Anyway, Ahsoka. Yeah, I thought it was good. I don't think it's any secret that when season two starts, I'm sure... Ahsoka and Sabine are going to get off that planet. I do not think they're going to be stranded there forever. I think that's just how they wanted to leave season one. And I'm sure in the first one or two episodes of season two, they'll get off that planet and get home and meet up with Ezra. What? You think they're going to be stuck there forever? That's uh, the no, whole I think they're I think that world is going to be a new part of the Star Wars galaxy. I think. With whoever they're going to recast Balin with rest in peace, Ray Stevenson, the guy who plays Balin Skull in Ahsoka. He killed that role, but unfortunately he passed away during, uh, well, I think it was during the filming of it. I, I can't remember, but he, he's no longer allowed to continue. But you notice like how at the end he was trying to go find something. There was more to discover on that world. They have now broken off two separate Star Wars timelines into two separate galaxies that they can follow up with TV shows. Eventually, you are right, Ahsoka will will go back to the main galaxy, but I don't think it's going to be within the first two episodes of the next season. I think mm -hmm. the next season, they very well might spend the entire season on that planet. They might leave the galaxy at the end of it, but I think that second season is going to be a lot of Ahsoka and Sabine, and then Shin Hati, the, the Padawan of Balin Skull, and then Balin Skull and whatever powers he's chasing. Well, it seemed pretty clear that Shin is probably going to turn over to the good side. I think they were foreshadowing that a lot mm -hmm. in the first season, that, that she's probably going to get a changeover. I don't know. I just feel like that can happen in the first couple of episodes. Whatever they're looking for, I don't know why that can't ha happen in the first two, maybe three episodes. Mm, and then they go deeper back. Deeper than that. I don't know. Like, they're, what, they're going to be apart from Ezra the whole time? So... <laughs> 
no, not the whole time. Again, what this Star Wars universe, what the goal of the Star Wars universe is, is to turn it into Marvel, essentially, the Marvel universe. You want this entire timeline of Star Wars lore that you can tap into with all these different branches going out. And this is just one of those branches. And they'll overlap again. They will see Ezra again, but Ezra's going to have his own storyline. I'm going to bet you we're going to see Ezra in Mandalorian Season 4. I guarantee it. Because you know who's going to be in Mandalorian Season 4 as well? Thrawn. Because <laughs> he's back. Oh, yeah. Well, but he never crossed paths with Mando. Like he, like no, he but he will. Because Mando now has his connections with the Republic, and the Republic's mm. gonna be like, "Hey, Mando, we're fighting this blue, uh, this blue red-eyed guy, the massive Star Destroyer, and all the Imperial remnants." That that would make sense. Mm-hmm. Huh. Well, maybe you're right. I know you talked about this a couple shows ago. That maybe this turns into at some point a movie where Thrawn's the bad guy, and it's it's. I think got, there's gonna be multiple. It's got Mando. It's got Ahsoka. It has Sabine. It has everybody else, which mm-hmm. would make a lot of sense. Did you understand what Balin was looking for? I did because I'm like I'm a, I'm I'm getting more and more and more into the lore, and I watch a lot of YouTube videos. Did you understand where Balin was? Honestly, not really, and I figured they were just going to tell us in the next season. Okay, so if you watched the Clone Wars, which I know you said you're gonna eventually, sometime in your life, catch up on all the cartoons. Well, so, so I've watched I've watched parts of the Clone Wars. I need to right. actually watch it through. I, I think I've watched so, what the first well, two seasons or so. Mm-hmm. I was gonna say so to understand this. I don't know if you needed to watch the whole Clone Wars. There's a three episode arc. I forget in which season of the Clone Wars, where Anakin, Ahsoka, and Obi Wan go to. This planet, I forget what it's called, but they meet the Celestials, which are the Mortis gods. And what you'll realize, Balin was standing on the hand of the Father. The Father represents the balance between the light and the dark side of the Force. The Son represents the dark side of the Force. The Daughter, who you notice was not there, her head was gone, represents the light side of the Force. Hmm. Wee bit of backstory. This isn't really a spoiler because any sort of lore you look up, uh, it would tell you this, and it's really not that big a deal. So during that three-episode arc, while those three are on this planet with the Mortis gods representing the sides of the Force, Ahsoka gets killed on that planet. And the life energy of the daughter, the embodiment of the light side, s- channels her energy into Ahsoka to save her life and end her own. So Ahsoka carries around with her the energy of the light side at all times. So if you notice, it almost makes sense now, Lyle, that the statue of the son, the father, and then the daughter are actually there because Ahsoka is the light side. And oh, by the way, did you notice that owl at the end? Not really. Was it, was it a major detail? So, you know, right before Anakin's force ghosts appeared. Mm, yeah. Did you remember the do you remember the owl now? Yeah, now, yeah. Okay, so the owl uh is like a little slight sliver of I think the remaining life energy of the daughter that follows Ahsoka around. Huh. Is it kind of yeah. like how in in episode 9 how um what uh Kylo Ren like brings Rey back to life and then he dies? Is it kind of like that? More cartoony, I think. But mm-hmm. I guess same idea. Mm-hmm. It like it's in the end in the Star Wars universe it's all force energy. Yeah. So, yes. 
So there's this grand theory that I'm not going to spill here. You can go look up all the theories for what could happen next. But there is like a mother of the children who Balin could potentially be chasing. And she's supposed to be like one of the most powerful force users ever. And she's like trapped. She's put in prison by the by the father and the, the two kids because she is so powerful. And it would make sense. That's what he was chasing. It, it's just like all of these like little deep lore, deep cuts that they littered throughout the season that I thought were really spectacular drawing from, I mean, I mean, shit, think about this, like all the things they pulled from in this Ahsoka season. I mean, we got stuff from Rebels. We got stuff from the Clone Wars. We got stuff from the the prequels, uh, the, uh, the prequel prequels. I said that right. Yeah, prequels. Yeah. And then. Man, it's just like pulling from all these different versions of Star Wars lore. And it's it's it makes for an entertaining product. And really, if you, you're interested in that kind of stuff, you can dive deep on it. And it, it makes it very interesting. Hmm. Yeah, I think that was a, I think that was a pretty good recap. So in, the, in total, I think Thrawn's going to be around a while, clearly. Yeah. And I think we'll probably start to see more characters get brought back in, in season two. So. They're going to really flesh out this universe. I'm curious how many different directions they're going to go. Yeah. I don't, I, I forget if there, I know there are a couple of new TV shows coming out that are supposed to be along this timeline. Remember, Andor's not on this timeline. Andor's its own thing. Um, so, yeah, it, it's going to be very fascinating to see how they, how they branch all this stuff out. I think as a Star Wars fan, I think it's 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 a dream come true when they do this stuff right and they take their time and they don't just revive Palpatine for a finale of a movie. And you realize after watching it, man, that movie actually kind of sucked. <laughs> it actually turns out to be significantly better. I, again, I don't know how they were going to save episode nine, though, because, again, like Ryan Johnson kind of ruined eight. So they had to do something yeah. in nine. So they had to do something. I, like, I think options were limited, but yeah, anyway. well, I just don't like the fact they essentially just rehashed episode six with better visuals. I guess that's fair. I guess that's fair. Anyway, I think Ahsoka was good. I think we recapped that pretty well. I'm already looking forward to season two, but we have stuff to watch in the meantime. So go watch some YouTube videos on it. I think you like fill in a little background. I think it'll make it like watch some YouTube videos. And then if you have time, go back and watch the season and pick like pick up on all these things and go like oh it was all like right. when i went back and watched the clone wars and then i went and re-watched mando again and when ahsoka jumps back in and there she was fighting notice she was fighting um morgan elspeth who was if you remember in, oh, in mando, mando season was? yeah remember ahsoka had that duel with right. with her with the the beskar rod you're right yeah that was her and I didn't remember, it took me about two episodes of Ahsoka to remember that. I'm like, oh, that's right. So like, like, think about this, all these like little things they sprinkle in there. And you know who she mentioned, who Ahsoka mentions in that episode, right? Where's your master? Where's Grand Admiral Thrawn? And I'm like, oh my God, rewatching it. <laughs> because yeah. the first time I watched it, I had no idea who Thrawn was. But the second time I did, I was like, oh my God. Yeah, yeah, They're yeah. Pulling out all the stops. Yeah, they do a good job with these shows. It's um, it's very well thought out. So I'm looking forward to season two. Yeah, I guess the only th other thing I had on Speak Your Mind this week, we kind of already talked about, which is Twitter will be Twitter, judging by our reactions to our tweets this week and just social media posts. So that's what it's going to be. Enjoy the mute button. The mute button is a fantastic invention. It is. It, it absolutely is. 
Okay. I think that just about wraps up this edition of the Marine Layer Podcast. You guys know the drill. You want to listen to the full form podcast, you can do so on Apple, Spotify, Google, and Amazon. If you want to watch us on YouTube, oh, by the way, if you watch, if you listen on the audio platforms, make sure to follow us, download our episodes, leave us a five-star review. Reviews, downloads help us out a ton. Watch us on YouTube too. If you got a whole video side of the podcast, if you go to YouTube, like, comment, subscribe, turn the notification bells on, and then go follow us on social media. We're on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, and YouTube shorts at Marine Layer Pod. That's TJ. I'm Lyle. As always, we thank you guys for tuning in. Talk to you soon. special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.